This is episode number 200 of the Well-Fed Women podcast. Welcome to Well-Fed Women. I'm your co-host, Noelle Tarr, a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And I'm joined by my bestie, Stephanie Ruper, author of the best-selling book, Sexy by Nature. On the show, we provide moderately abusing banter, authentic, unfiltered conversations relating to nutrition, fitness, mindset, and body image, and offer empowering advice for women from women. While you're listening, please keep in mind that the information on this podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material and should not be used to diagnose or treat disease. We are so excited to have you here. So now let's have some fun. So funny. So are you going to be actually sewing through this episode? Well, hypothetically, it shouldn't take me more than a couple minutes, but I don't know. I shortened some straps the other night and it took me 75 minutes. You shortened (laughs) straps. Y'all, this is something I never thought would come out of Stephanie's mouth. Wait, wait. I've been sewing my whole life because my mom sews. So I'm not good at it, but like. I'm familiar enough to make things like sewing buttons back on happen. Got it. See, I am not domesticated at all in that way. I don't sew. I feel like I'm one of the only ones who doesn't do that in this world, but I don't. I even took a sewing class in high school and I don't sew. Like if I need something to be fixed, I just take it up the street and I'm like, can you just fix this? Because I know I'm going to get really frustrated. (laughs) I'm going to get really frustrated trying to fix it myself. And so I just, I never have gotten that bug, but I guess I'm going to have to because kids screw up clothes all the time and I'm, I should probably learn how to put on a button, which Steph just said, I need to sew a button on my tweed jacket. And I'm like, everything about that, I would not have expected from you. So yo, it's my profile picture on all of my public accounts on my Instagram, your, on your my tweeties, your tweety tweet jacket. Jack. That's pretty cool. I'm just really excited that you know how to sew buttons, and it it inspires me to move in that direction. Okay, good. (laughs) The worst. So glad. Hey, here's our 200th episode. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it is. I think that's more than kind of a big deal. It it is a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. This is we've been doing this a long time. Um, Here we are 200. We didn't do any fancy party or anything like that. But we do have a fun ask us anything episode, which is a combo of just random questions. And of course, health and whatever mindset related questions. So it should be a fun episode. I'm excited. Okay, yay. Um, Let me think. Oh, I do want to mention um, Four Sigmatic is sponsoring this episode. I haven't talked about them recently, but they do have a lot of new stuff coming out. Foursigmatic.com slash wellfed. You'll get 15% off if you, you if you go to that link. Um, and they have, it's not just about drinking mushrooms, which I do find has a lot of benefit. Um, a lot of people that I know, especially in this health and wellness space, have really integrated holistic mushrooms into their uh, day, whether it's like morning for focus or nighttime for relaxation. Like I know speaking a lot. Of, speaking of sentences we never thought we'd say, but here you go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's true. Integrated mushrooms into our in- lives. Integrated holistic mushrooms, but it's a thing now, y'all, and it works. And it's one of those kind of life hacks that I feel like has really helped a lot of people, especially if you're struggling with focus or you're struggling with anxiety and just chilling out. And it's like, 
you know, it's it's a great thing to test out and try. And so they have a lot of elixirs, which makes it so easy. Like they look like little tea packets, which you open up, put into a, like a mug, and then just you can you can add it to coconut milk or hot water or whatever, um, and add a little honey or not. Like it's it's totally up to you how you want to use it. But of course, they have coffee and they have other like matchas and a bunch of other random stuff. And now they have like lemonade with charcoal in it, which I think is really, really cool because that is an, a really solid way to help your body extract some crap that might be overflowing, for example, heavy metals. Um, that's how I brought down, like, so when I got my blood results done, um, I did have a slightly high levels, not high, but on the higher end of normal. Uh, mercury and I did some charcoal and I brought it down. So um, lemonade charcoal, which it's like literally you drink like a black drink, which is really, you got to get past that. But it's kind of cool looking. Um, <laughs> Would have been perfect for Halloween. But yeah, go to uh, forcingmatic.com slash wellfed. Lots of stuff there. Give it a try, test it out um, and, and see how it works for you. We're excited that they are Still supporting us and a long-term sponsor. We've had a lot of great sponsors in the past three and a half years. And everybody that has come on to support us and support this podcast or, or things and products that we use and we love personally, like nothing has been on this show that we don't have in our own homes and we aren't using on our own bodies and families. So, um, yeah. That's it. We've, we've couldn't have done this without all the people supporting us so that we could pay for all the costs to produce it, which by the way, y'all, this, <laughs> this has been a free show <laughs> for three and a half years, um, which I'm very proud of. And I don't know, I never felt right about being like, donate to us. Um, a lot of people tried to push us that direction or push, you know, mentioned that opinion to me. And um, I feel pretty strongly that I didn't, I didn't want to do that. And I thought that we could find sponsors that really integrated well into the show. So it's been great to, uh, to team up with people and to not beg you for, for donations in tandem. And in addition to <laughs> begging for all the other things like buying your book and reviews. So honestly, we'd rather have reviews than money. So <laughs> true, true. So yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks to all of our sponsors. And I do want to mention on this 200th episode that 10% of all of our proceeds goes to Thistle Farms, which I've mentioned quite a bit, but Steph and I are passionate about giving back and we have made it, we've made a, quite a, a hefty donation over time just because of finagling a bit and um, having some companies match our donations, but we've been able to donate quite a bit, probably around 5K, um, a little bit more than that at this point. And they're such an awesome organization. And I've been able to go back and forth with them personally. And the people that work for Thistle Farms and represent Thistle Farms are fantastic and amazing. And they're doing amazing things. They really stand in the gap and are there for women who have been through some really tough life experiences. Like they are trying to cut, you know, they've recently got out of prison or they were victims of sex trafficking and they don't just like, you know, quote unquote, come in and save the day or save them. You know, that is, it is a full circle uh, organization where they are teaching them, teaching women, like providing them with emotional support and therapy if needed. And, then teaching them skills and then employing them. And then all like most of the women that run their business, which they create these like natural products, like candles and like 
chapsticks and stuff like that, which are all really amazing and like all seriously natural and organic. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff is amazing and handmade and it's, they're doing great things. And uh, all the people that work in that company have been um, through the program. So they're just practicing what they preach and they're doing great things. And so we're 200 in and excited to have teamed up with them and we'll continue to support them. Um, and that's a, that's a big part of what we do here too. So um, another quick announcement. If you don't like the banter in the beginning, um, I've mentioned this before. <laughs> people complaining. <laughs> no, no, actually not. I've only had, I think in our entire lifetime, two people who have complained, but it seems like, it seems like some people don't, don't actually realize that with a podcast, number one, it's free. Number two, you can actually drag your finger and move forward. So you, so we, in the show notes, we have, um, we have timestamps. We have timestamps. So if you're not into it and you don't want to hear our banter, which 99% of our people are our people. So we're having a conversation with them, um, which I do feel like a lot of people enjoy. And that's what I enjoy from podcasts. Gonna be quite honest. I'm like, I just want to talk to some of my girlfriends. That's why I love the Girls Gone Wad. Um, I listen to their podcasts all the time. And I just, you know, that's enjoyable. So we're we're gonna keep doing it. It's gonna be a thing. But if you don't want to do it and you're short on time, because I do this with some podcasts, I'm like, I just need to get to the the the, the meat of the stuff. Just drag your little finger. That's all you gotta do. So there you go. Steph laughs. <laughs> you're like, uh-oh, who said something now? <laughs> Just a PSA. Just a PSA. So, would you like to get into some questions? Yeah, can I make a very quick announcement first? Yes. I finished the button. What button? Oh, the song. (laughs) That was so fast. In case anybody was wondering how fast I am. (laughs) Okay, so did you, do you have a lot of different colors of string? Well, it was just like like It's a dark jacket, so I just used black. Okay. And then you just sewed the button on. I tell you what, I have so many buttons because a lot of jackets and stuff come with extra buttons or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have so many buttons and I don't have any thread or needle. <laughs> it's the worst. It's like $2 for a sewing kit. Yeah, I know, Steph. I know. Okay. It's one of those okay. things. Can I tell you also what I outsourced this past weekend? So I went to Philly for um, the Marine Corps ball. This was our last one. So my husband moved into the reserves two years ago, and I think we're we're done. We're moving. We're moving out. So that's another one of the transitions that I was alluding to. So we're moving out of the reserves and into just other things. And so we were at the Marine Corps Ball, and it was in Philly this year, so we were staying there. And I had this nice dress that, you know, you have a couple, when you're in this life, you have a couple dresses that are like ball kind of dresses that you don't wear anywhere else. So I had, I have three dresses and I'm just starting to fit back into the one. Like last year I had to use the A-line one because I just had Stella. And so I was just starting to fit back into, really it was just my boobs were starting to fit back into um, one of these other dresses. And so I wore that one and it was like a mess. Yeah, I I took it up to the cleaners and I was like, can you press this for me? (laughs) Like, I feel like it's definitely something I should be able to do, but I just don't want to mess with it. And I also got Stella a really cute, fancy dress. But again, it was that material that I just don't feel comfortable with ironing. And so I'm like, I'm just, I'm just outsourcing this folks. It's, it's done. I can't. I think that's a very legitimate thing. My mother is a seamstress and she presses, you know, it's a, it's an art to press some things. I'm glad you agree. I I feel validated because I, 
it's really hard. And I don't want to screw that up. Like, I just don't want to screw that up. That's one of the things, and I don't know if it's something, maybe this is me trying to, I don't know, to like make myself feel better. But I feel like a lot of people in our age group, the millennial-ish age group, they aren't really big on ironing. I mean, I know that you have to iron men's dress shirts pretty regularly, and a lot of people just take those to the dry cleaners and don't really do that either. But ironing is something that I think a lot of the the generation ahead of us used to do. And now I think there's so much more casual wear and comfortable wear and not that formal dress wear that everybody has to like iron their slacks and their shirts. Um, I just, it's not a skill that I have. <laughs> mm, yeah, I don't, I only buy non-iron sh- I don't got time for that sh- stuff. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. Yeah. And I hate when people are like, we all we had to do that back in the day. You know, like we had to wash our own clothes by hand and do all this. And And I'm like, I understand that. But like the world that we have evolved into at this moment is we have a much higher standard of productivity and like output. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot more demanded in terms of like the like what we're producing and what we're able to accomplish Outsource. All right, let's jump into questions. The first question is from Ketograms5. How do I find an integrative medicine professional? I tracked down one, a CNPDNP at a local clinic, and she isn't taking additional patients. It's frustrating. I'm looking for one who takes regular Blue Cross, Blue Shield insurance, and it appears many take cash only. Ideas. These are rapid fire. Yeah, I think you might know more about this than I do. I'm wondering, do you see any what do you do in like what do you do especially since you're kind of in a different country yeah so I try to not have any medical emergencies when I'm in the United States (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so everybody's insured in England you know so I have a register like I have a register and Oxford requires you to register so I registered with they call them GPs Okay. Uh, which is basically like a family doctor, general practitioner. And I'm supposed to go to them for my health concerns. But they also have online pharmacies where you can just type in answers that you're supposed to have to certain questions. And then you'll you'll get the get the thing. Like I got an Ambien prescription over online. That's really interesting. Yeah. So anyway, so that's uh, that's how... I mean, there's a, there's a lot more complexity there to the UK healthcare system, but those are some things you can do regarding these kinds of questions here. Um, in the States, the reason I, I thought Noelle would know more about this is because I never personally and never worked with any clients who were trying to track down functional medicine practitioners and all that and that sort of stuff. I had a doctor who always who let me just ask for tests. He basically let me be my own doctor, which was really mm-hmm. nice. Um, but yeah. and so I don't have that experience. I, but I, I don't think that's I do think that's uncommon, but it's not out of the question. Like, I think that you can find a more conventional doctor who would be willing to work with you to work like to, to take tests and stuff like that. So finding a functional medicine practitioner is not easy. It's one of those like, I don't know. It's one of those common issues that is always that always comes up. And it's something that even a lot of us in this holistic health space, we are trying to, you know, I've text friends before in this space and parents and moms and been like, okay, what do you do for a pediatrician? And are you doing concierge medicine, which is expensive? Like I just, it's a lot. And I, so I completely understand. And a lot of people have moved towards that, which pay cash, you pay cash and it's not, it's not cheap, but, um, 
I do think that there is, there's, you know, there's options. Like you can put money into an account where you only use that when you do need somebody, when you do need to, to go to the doctor, which if you are doing a lot of these things that we talk about, you won't, hopefully you won't have to go often. Now, if you already are really sick or struggling with a lot of abnormal symptoms, I think that's where my whole like way of working the system is I always go to whatever's covered first and foremost. So whatever, whoever's covered, whatever primary care physician and or a nurse practitioner, whatever nurse practitioner is covered, that's who I go to first. And I did this too with PT. So like the best PTs who are really specialized in my condition, my back condition, were not covered. And so my uh, talking this through with my husband, I was like, I'm just going to go to the girl who's covered completely and I can go to twice a week. And if that, like see how far I can get with that. And then if I really need to go to somebody who isn't covered by insurance, we can talk about that, you know, and, and what that looks like. So that's my recommendation. Go to whoever's covered first that you think is the best option in that field. I personally really love nothing's wrong with MDs, but I really find I've always had better medical care in terms of the time and the willingness to work with me from nurse practitioners. I, I've loved both of my, my two nurse practitioners. I had one in Philly and she was super conventional, but was, but actually some sort of not like she was a, also a personal trainer and she was like, she kind of knew that I was doing my thing, but when like crap hit the fan and I was, really, you know, I was like struggling really bad with my back condition. And she was like, I can write you a prescription for this. Like, or, or when I was, I think I was struggling with, I got mastitis or something. She was like, I can write you a quick prescription for antibiotics. Like she was there when I needed her in emergency situations. And then if I wanted to get things tested, like, hey, can we look at my vitamin D levels or whatever? Like she's totally down for that. Another option is instead of going to an OBGYN, you can go to a midwifery practice and they do all the same stuff. They can, they can do your annuals. They can do your pap smears. They can do, um, they can write you prescriptions. So I actually got a prescription to a physical therapist from my midwife, my a pelvic floor physical therapist from my midwife when she was doing my pap smear. So um, I think that that's a great option. Like they can kind of be your primary care people um, because they really do specialize in women's issues. So I find that that's a great alternative too. Um, in terms of finding a functional medicine practitioner, yes, it's going to be expensive. Yes, it's usually going to be out of pocket. However, this is not always the case. So like I said, I've mentioned this before. I had to really kind of work the system. Um, I searched high and low to try to find some sort of family practice that was recommended in my area. And the way that I did that was I jumped on a lot of holistic Facebook groups that are were specific to my area. And some of them I had to get like approved to get into and others were uh, well, most of them you have to get approved to get into now. Um, and then I would join that group and then I'd search like family medicine or functional medicine or whatever and see who people were recommending. I'd make a list. I went through and checked, you know, what these insurance, the, these practices took. I'd call them. I'd see if they had openings, what that looked like, if they take my insurance. It took It took quite a bit of time and effort, but I ended up finding a nurse practitioner who is specializes in functional medicine, who works just under a general family medicine practice, which I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known unless I had really 
<laughs> done a lot of Facebook research um, and, and found her. Another place that you can go to is called functionalmedicine.org. Right there on the right-hand side, you can find a practitioner or find somebody. And that's another way. And that's going to give you a general list of all the functional medicine practitioners in your area. It may be worth it if you find one that's co- that takes insurance. It may be worth it to drive an hour an hour and a half. And so that you can just have these, like I said, you can go to your primary care when you have emergency needs, but you can go to this functional medicine practitioner for the really deep questions that you have that are answered. You know, if you're having some unexplained symptoms and you haven't figured out what it is and you need some help reading labs or you want to get a full thyroid panel and your primary care isn't really versed in that, you know, consider going to a functional medicine practitioner for that. So, those are my tips. And then I'll ask around. Like the more you kind of get integrated into your area and if there's like a holistic scene um, and like, you know, friends that you're talking to and, and kind of just ask around and see, who, you know, who else is going where. So um, and also like try to think of ways you could maybe if you find somebody in your area, like, you know, of a holistic blogger that's like in your area or. Um, other bloggers, or if you're an NTP, for example, and you, you're a member of that group, post in that group and say, hey, does, does anybody know like a good functional medicine practitioner in this area or in my area? Um, so just use your resources. Is it, um, isn't yes. there an index somewhere? Like hasn't somebody like Chris Cresser or something <laughs> created an index? They might have. There was um, something called the Paleo Physicians Network. Yeah, that. <laughs> yes, which I think Rob Wolf created. So paleophysiciansnetwork.com. So try that. It's not going to have every single person, but that's a really great place to start. And then also functionalmedicine.org. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is supported by the Nutritional Therapy Association. The NTA trains and certifies nutritional therapy practitioners and consultants, including me. I'm an NTP. The NTA's Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Program and fully online nutritional therapy consultant program empower graduates with the education and skills they need to launch successful, fulfilling careers in holistic nutrition. Four years ago, I went through the NTA's program and feel it was one of the best career decisions I've ever made. The program teaches foundational principles in nutrition and focuses on a holistic approach to restoring balance and enhancing the body's ability to heal. Registration is now open for the February class, and you can learn more by going to nutritionaltherapy.com. When you sign up, be sure to put well-fed women in the referral field, and you'll get a signed copy of our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells Sent to You. And don't forget to check out NTA's annual conference, Roots, happening March 1st to 3rd in Portland, Oregon. It's one of the most empowering and educational, holistic nutrition events of the year, and all are welcome. Again, head over to nutritionaltherapy.com to save your seat for the February class. Anel, Anel, Anelel81 would love to hear how to make that jump from knowing what to do to actually doing it eating that healthy food that you know will make you feel better in the long run instead of that sugary coffee that feels better for your feelings. (laughs) I like how that's worded. Fighting the old comfortable habits to make healthy ones. How to make that jump. Yeah, so there's there's a lot to this, and we we do talk about this a fair bit. Something that I think most important is doing a lot of work in your head to rethink what you want in your life. So if you really want to 
feel, you know, to be healthy, pick like something specific, say, I really don't want Alzheimer's in 20 years. If you have something specific that you're fighting, I think that gives you a better chance than vaguely good health. Uh, or I want to maintain X level of fitness or what have you. I think having a specific thing to imagine to work towards is is very important and it gives you reason to choose what you're choosing. I think that's one thing. Another thing is you need to believe that what you're going to do works. I think it's really hard for people to believe that dietary changes will make an impact because it's very hard to quantify and very hard to see often. You know, sometimes you have very dramatic effects, but usually it's pretty subtle. And a lot of the really important stuff you just don't see, right? It's, it's your cholesterol or whatever. It's your uh, C-reactive protein, all these different markers in your blood that you don't see. And so you need to understand that these things really do have impacts. And I don't know if that means reading some literature or if it means uh, trying things that are focusing on impacts that you do see and knowing that they are elsewhere in your body as well. I think that's another piece. A uh, third piece is letting go of any sort of remorse that or that you feel or attachment to the sugary stuff. So recently, I a few months ago, weeks ago, I never brought this up on the podcast. I kind of switched to a lower carbohydrate diet. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised though. Um, no, do tell. What tell I mean, me it's all not, the things? It's not altogether unusual for me to you know show up and say something really surprising, <laughs> right? Which makes it in itself unsurprising. Right. So, but I did, and I've been really liking it. So I am still eating carbs, but I just keep them in usually one or one and a half of my meals during the day, and not in the other one and a half. And I think it's been good for my energy. It's I have I am not not aesthetically motivated. It's been nice to I can see my abs <laughs> again after a very long time. Not like that's something that's important, but low carb has helped me with that a little bit because you just you hold on to less water. It's basically it. I haven't dropped any weight, but I'm holding on to less water. Anyway, all these reasons. And so I've been watching my psychological landscape with respect to food. And I can see how if I wanted to, I could fall into pits of being really obsessive about not eating carbs. But I'm not because I am aware that that mechanism exists. It's really easy once you step away from it to see it like looming its head at you and you don't have to you don't have to follow it down that path, so to speak. The problem is that if you think you have to do something for the sake of your weight and or whatever, but usually it's appearance because we're human. Uh, if if you think that you have to do something and if you really that's it. And if you experience any kind of upsetness with yourself, <laughs> if, if you feel guilty, if you just you feel totally angry. pulled a me. That was so a me thing. <laughs> upsetness. I love it. I started with a adjective and I decided to go with a noun. If you feel these kind if you're feeling these kinds of feelings then it's just it's really easy to become obsessive over what you're giving up. And so it's really important to focus on other parts of your life to 
focus on stuff that feels good and to spend as little time as possible thinking about what you've given up. And I know that doing that in itself is sort of thinking about what you've given up. And that's kind of my whole point is you just got to get your mind. You've got to get your mind elsewhere. Uh, I think that that's, I think that that's kind of relevant. Okay. Yeah. I want it. Rapid fire. (laughs) My, yeah. My initial gut reaction is like, Oh, it's all about mindset. But at the same time, like I think sometimes you have to have something that kind of kickstarts you and pushes you a little bit, especially when we're talking about getting started with the whole new plan, whether that's changing your food up or change something that you truly want to do or changing your fitness up, getting into a fitness routine. Like if you're not moving and then you try to get into moving, like you, you need some sort of kick in the butt and a little bit of accountability or, or, you know, a little bit of external drive and motivation. And I understand that. So I, I think first, like and foremost, yes, your mindset has to be, all right, there's nothing wrong with either of whatever choice that I make. However, one's going to make me feel a lot better. So how am I going to feel after I have a sugary coffee versus how am I going to feel if I choose something else and do something to make me feel better? And that's the end of it. It's not like, oh, I need to be good or oh, this is the bad decision. It's just, it's neutral, it's whatever. And so I find that the best thing that works for me and for other people is just making decisions based on how you want to feel and what you know works for you. And there's no sort of judgment or guilt or shame. There's no good or bad. There's nothing like that. And so when we're free of that, then we ha- we kind of free ourselves up to make decisions that are right for ourselves, even if it's contrary to whatever someone is saying on Instagram. Like there's, there were so many opinions back in the day about paleo desserts. And <laughs> I know, and I remember even when we were starting to talk about the book, I was like, do you want to put desserts in? And you're like, heck yeah. And I'm like, okay, great. Because there were so many people like saying like almond flour cookies. How dare you? And it was just like, okay, like if we're going to tell people they can never have cookies again, like, what are we doing? So, um, yeah, there's just, like, a lot of controversy around that and people talking about that stuff. And, like, I am full 100% support of paleo desserts. I'm full. I'm 100% in support of, like, if you want to have dark chocolate every day at 3 o'clock, do that. You know what I mean? Like, it's really the the, the bigger picture is let's eat a nutrient-dense diet and let's eat in a way that's great for us. Like, I just, for me, abstaining from paleo desserts is stupid. And it's not, it doesn't, like make me some better person or more healthy because I don't eat Simple Mills cookies at night. Again, I'm not aesthetically motivated. Do I want to fit into my clothes? Absolutely. But I don't think being five or 10 or even 15 pounds less than what I am now makes me somehow better or somehow improves my life, like makes my life so much better. I'd rather just enjoy cookies. So, and that's not to say like... (laughs) Like, I don't, people, some people love to also use that as like, you're so lazy and you just want to enjoy cookies. Like, no, I just really enjoy life and being relaxed about it. And yes, pursuing health and keeping that in check and making sure that I know what's going on in my body. But that's that, you know, if people want to jump down my throat, which has happened, and I've discussed this about dried fruit, like, I'm sorry, you can't tell me that sugar, uh, dried fruit is so sugary that it's going to ruin my health because I get my numbers tested and my fasting insulin and my metabolic numbers are awesome. And I, yeah, I'm going to eat dried mango. So there, um, that's the stuff. <laughs> that's the stuff. What was the question again? Okay, so finding the old comfortable habits to make new healthy ones. So yes, mindset is important. 
important. <laughs> Mindset is important, but also I do think it's important to have some sort of little motivational push. And so having some sort of assistance from maybe, you know, I do love the idea of teaming up with a nutritional therapist or some sort of coach that is really helpful in like just creating a team, you know, like somebody can give you a little bit of guidance and say, here, look, like, here's how we can set up your day so that you feel really good and we're making sure that we're addressing the issues and the things that you're concerned about when it comes to your health and how you feel, but also like not ma- making sure that you're not getting all like crazy around that. And that's why I created the co- uh, Coconuts and Kettlebells coaching group was because I wanted nutritional therapists and I wanted these people who are going to help people with also having the mindset of um, also having experience with body image and also not telling people that foods are good or bad and that they need to like completely abstain from sugar and do like 18 whole 30s in a row. And not to say that that's what a lot of nutrition coaches do, but a lot, I think a lot of people get really stuck on their way of doing things, with, whether that is very, very low carb or vegetarian. And so then they prescribe that for, you know, a lot of people. And I do think teaming up with some sort of nutritional therapy practitioner or even working, like starting it with a friend and saying, okay, we are going to do this. Or again, getting our book and doing some sort of kind of four week thing where you're taking foods out intentionally you're following the meal plans that we have um and you're you're implementing something very intentionally for four weeks to kind of like give you that little bit of kickstart and then you can kind of move forward with well how do I feel if I integrate a sugary coffee drink right now like how's that gonna hit me and it might hit you pretty hard and you're like oh I don't want that again so it's just I think it's that's where the value in Whole30s are that's where the value of our book is where we talk about this, you know, four week phase where the four by four, where you take those four foods out and you just kind of give your body a, like a good kickstart. It's a plan. It's, it's a, a set of clearly defined like guidelines. And then you can move forward with how do you want to integrate other things into your life and when? So that's my advice. Sass cutter, sass cutter. Why do autoimmune flare ups occur horribly with periods starting and ending? What causes this and how do you avoid this every month? I would like to avoid birth control as I try for another baby soon and know that will probably be my doctor's recommendation. Thanks, ladies, for answering questions and being so personable in your podcasts. So this is really complex, and there's a brilliant post about it on Sarah Ballantyne's blog, The Paleo Approach. I would I would definitely read that for the details in we'll, essence. We'll link to it in the show notes. We'll Let me, find it. I'll I make a note. Make, I didn't want to make a promise. No, I didn't want to keep. <laughs> we'll link to it in the show. I like uh, I have my I have a podcast that I run personally now, and for some reason, making show notes is so painful. It is. Know. It is. It's really painful. I don't know why, but opening a tab and finding a link for something is just like an enormous struggle. Well, when you have like 10, like we do, like we're like, oh yeah, we'll just link to that. And I'm like, oh crap. So I have to like ask Laura, I'm like, can you, like if I mention something and I didn't write it down, will you, so yeah. Will you catch it please? Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, we'll link to it in the show notes. I would read that blog for the details, but essentially, uh, yeah, female hormones do modulate the immune system your inflammatory markers, especially estrogen. Uh, And so that can have like throughout your cycle and it can be different for different women at what time that it hits you. Uh, You can definitely see autoimmune flare-ups. Whether birth control would be helpful for that? It could be. I think probably the best thing that you can do, of course, is work as hard as you can on modulating your immune condition from the 
you know, from the bottom up, from the side of the immune system. Uh, if you want to stay completely away from birth control, if you do go on birth control, you're probably going to want to be on a low dose pill and one that uh, has a will balance out your hormone levels, sort of make them as flat as possible. And so that would probably be an estrogen progesterone combination pill. Uh, but, you know, I couldn't I couldn't say for sure. And, and then there are many different kinds of progesterones and you want to be on one that isn't estrogenic. And there's a blog post on my own website about <laughs> which kinds of which kinds of birth control of, of progesterones. And it's really interesting that synthetic progestins that are in birth control can be either progesterone stimulating. They can act like progesterone. They can act like androgens, which are male sex hormones like testosterone, and they can act like estrogen. And they can be estrogenic. It's so different varieties of progesterone in birth control pills can, can make a pretty big impact on the way your hormones respond to birth control. Uh, so that's definitely worth talking about with a doctor and especially you know, if you can find somebody who specializes, unfortunately, people who study autoimmune disease are rarely the ones who study hormones and, and vice versa. But there are people in the world out there who do it. And Sarah Ballantyne happens to know a lot about this. So I, again, would direct you to that blog post. Um, but in the meantime, I think really the best thing you could do if, if, if you're not getting on the pill would be to approach approach it from the angle of managing your autoimmune autoimmunity and also maybe take some vitamin D, uh, which can help regulate your estrogen levels. I think this is really a cool thing to discuss. And it, I, mostly just because I think that it can like certain changes and shifts can actually like if you can stop monthly flare ups just through like certain shifts and changes in managing the immune system and managing inflammation overall like that's huge you know what I mean and it's really crazy to think about how our period affects I mean how the menstrual cycle in general which again happens every single month and all these changes happen every single month just how impactful it is on the rest of our lives however I know that a lot of women have reported that there are are flare-ups with autoimmune diseases in conjunction with this the menstrual cycle but a lot of people also don't have those flare-ups. And so it's not something that's like like an absolute, but I think it really probably depends on the autoimmune disease. I've, I've also heard of this happening with Lyme. But in general, why this does happen, and again, not a lot of good research on it. It's not like it's something that's like, like really. I don't think the medical community is like really trying to research this, um, if I'm quite honest. But I do think that it is well understood that Hormones like estrogen and progesterone, they do, like Stephanie was mentioning, they influence the development of immune cells and they can like modify or impact the output of the immune system. And oddly enough, it's not like, oh, when estrogen's super high or when progesterone's super high, then the you know inflammation increases and, and the output of the immune system changes. It's actually not like that. Like in some cases, uh, when like the immune response can be super high when you have really low levels of certain hormones like estrogen. So estrogen peaks right before ovulation and then progesterone rises and kind of peaks in that third-ish week and then both tank. So when you're talking about like, oh, your period's starting, estrogen and progesterone are at their lowest points 
and that's when you start bleeding. One of the theories that I think is really interesting is that it has more to do with prostaglandins, which are hormones that are not produced by glands and then like like carried, you know, through the bloodstream. Like for example, your thyroid produces thyroid hormones which are then sent to different parts of the body. Prostaglandins are like they're hormones, but they're chemical reactions that, like, they're created by chemical reactions at the site. And they're typically, like, something, they p- promote the healing process. So, for example, if there's something wrong at a specific site, prostaglandins will be created and released. And then they actually spark or cause inflammation and pain. And so yeah. that's that's something really interesting to me because prostaglandins, and again, this is not like well-researched, but prostaglandins do have an impact on the female reproductive system. So much so, and I know that Stephanie probably knows this, but like prostaglandins are released in the um, uterus, so like in the endometrial mm-hmm. cells, and that's what makes you bleed, but also that's what makes you feel pain and cramping, and like higher levels of prostaglandins are associated with Cramping, like more cramping in your uterus. So, so, um, yeah, there is some theory around that, like, oh, the start of your period, because you have a higher level of prostaglandins, which do cause inflammation, they can somehow cause, they can somehow impact the inflammation and also, like, in the rest of your body, and that in turn will impact your immune system. I think it's all really interesting. But the real question is, what can you do about it? And because you don't want to be on birth control, and I do think that that is sort of just going to cover up the whole situation and not actually address any of the root issues, I think one of the things that you can do, so why um, anti-inflammatory like drugs, <laughs> like ibuprofen, why they work so well against pain is because they're basically reducing the inflammation. Um, pain caused by prostaglandins. And so one of the things that I have really loved lately is um, turmeric. So you can take actual like curcumin um, supplements that have a high dose of curcumin. And I will link to that in the show notes. But I, curcumin, I've been taking that for my back pain. And I feel like it just does a really, really great job of acting like an anti-inflammatory without actually, like people with RA and stuff like that have found really great uses from that. Um, and I, I, I found that it's really, really helpful and I don't have to take as much ibuprofen because I usually like, when I'm not taking the turmeric, I can, I usually take it maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, just because like I've had a long day and my lower back is really you know, bothering me. And so, and I really want to sleep. So it's either take two ibuprofen and sleep or not sleep. And that's just always my choice. So um, that's something you can do. Definitely supplement with magnesium because magnesium is something that's really crucial for the uh, parasympathetic, like for you to be in a parasympathetic state, which is really important for progesterone production. Um, in general. So when we're just talking about overall hormonal balance, so take the magnesium and when you're stressed out and you're having these flares, like your body's just chewing through magnesium. So take that. I think all the general things that we recommend are really important here. And that's why women see a lot of find hormonal balance with a lot of these shifts. Like when, when you do take out a lot of inflammatory foods, like we're talking, like we talk about like vegetable oils and highly processed sugar. And sometimes if you're reacting to grains or dairy and you don't know it and you take that out, you see a lot of regulation in 
your hormones, but like also how you feel, you know, during your period before it, autoimmune flares, et cetera, et cetera. Gut health is really, really important. So taking a strong, healthy probiotic is important. Vitamin D is so crucial for autoimmune conditions. I read uh, um, some time ago, like this has been well known in the literature, but like most people who have autoimmune conditions, if you test their vitamin D levels, they are so low in vitamin D. So they think that that has a huge impact. Some sort, it might be a trigger, but it also just, you know, who knows, is is it a chicken and egg situation, but what causes what, but you need to be taking a vitamin D supplement with K2 for sure. And even maybe experiment with like what Stephanie's doing, you know, try a little bit of a lower carbohydrate approach and see if that helps. I'm so glad you think so. Well, so, um, you you know, talking about the the start of the period stuff, something that you could do that's really helpful is, yes, I think cutting out sugars is really important for reducing inflammation actually throughout your whole cycle and kind of anything that will cause your body to create more tissue to shed right? Because the more blood that you're going to dump, the more it's going to hurt. Yeah. So reducing sugar, I think, and carbohydrate intake could be really helpful, making sure that you exercise throughout your cycle. Uh, And maybe, and I, I, I never, almost never say this as a solution to things, but weight loss can also help with this because it'll help reduce your estrogen levels, which will reduce the amount of, uh, again, the amount of endometria that you uh, what do you say bulk up <laughs> well I think <laughs> anyway so wouldn't it depend on I mean her starting weight like if she doesn't have weight to lose and it wouldn't right that's yes that's true so um, yeah I guess that's, that's all true but if you do if you do have yes if you do have weight to lose that can help but that's much more long term don't do anything drastic um, but that can re- that really often helps people reduce the severity of their periods for that reason Yeah, and I think that this is an interesting thought, and maybe some people are actually thinking beyond this, if you have an autoimmune disease and just general hormonal balance, because these, we know these steroid hormones have, um, well, like immune cells have receptor sites for steroid hormones. And so if you can think about it, if if your hormones, if you have a major hormonal imbalance, whether that's caused by high amounts of stress, which causes some sort of estrogen dominance and, you know, low progesterone or whatever, like you're, you've got a high cortisol output or um, you're just like you're, you don't have hormonal balance and you know that you've seen that from tests. I think that you can imagine and see how that would impact your immune system and your, and, or if you have an autoimmune disease flare ups. And so I think they have, you know, this is this is what, what when we're talking about holistic health, <laughs> this is the exact example of it where it's not just about taking a pill to to like lower. And I'm not saying taking medication is a bad thing, not whatsoever, but like taking a pill to try to stop the, the autoimmune flare ups is there's much more happening here. And I think there can be a better solution when we look at trying to treat the body overall and holistically and we're looking at how can we bring about hormonal balance and improve gut health to improve an autoimmune condition or to reduce or put it into remission which when we're talking about taking care of autoimmune diseases outside of this holistic paleo world people are not like oh let's balance hormones and let's uh Let's talk about gut health. Like people don't, that's not like where people go to immediately, especially in the conventional medical space. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of a more holistic 
mindset and definitely, you know, Sarah Ballantyne and, and a lot of these more paleo autoimmune approaches, that's, that's what a lot of people are talking about. Um, unfortunately, not enough, but yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market, an online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Thrive Market is like Whole Foods, Amazon Prime, and Costco combined. You can shop for thousands of health foods and natural products, including non-GMO foods, snacks, vitamins, supplements, eco-friendly cleaning supplies, baby and kids items, and so much more at 10 to 50% below retail prices. They can offer these prices because they cut out the middleman and ship products directly to you. They also have their own Thrive Market brand, which offers everything from organic virgin coconut oil to grass-fed collagen peptides, all the way to eco-friendly, chlorine-free, disposable diapers, which my daughter wears, by the way, at incredibly affordable prices. To get 25% off your first purchase, head over to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. That's 25% off on top of the discounts you already get on Thrive Market. Head over to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. Let's move on to the next question. Um, Steph, any tips on traveling Europe and avoiding gluten and dairy? (laughs) It's so funny. You started the question, any tips on traveling? And I thought, boy, the end of that sentence is going to be avoiding gluten. (laughs) If you don't have any, it's fine. I just... No, no, no. I think on the last Ask Me Anything, we, I got a question about gluten in Europe. Um, any tips? Well, yeah, you just, you don't have to eat it if you don't want to. Like, so you go to Italy, for example, and Italy is all pasta and pizza, and that's all people talk about. But there's tons of stuff on menus that's, you know, prosciutto and melon and salads of, of various sorts. And if you if you have an autoimmune condition and you need to be avoiding these things, or if you're doing our four by four, well, I don't know, I might say do it after you travel. But if you're doing our four by four, then absolutely avoid these things at all costs. If you don't have an autoimmune condition and you don't need to be avoiding these things at all costs, then I would say, generally speaking, yeah, if you want to stay away from them, stay away from them. But if it slips in here or there, there's there's no need to there's no need to panic. There are abundant options and markets everywhere. Again, it totally depends on where you are. But in big cities, small towns, you know, farmers markets, daily markets where small town I lived in in Italy had a little market every day, a pop-up market where people brought their uh, produce and eggs and fish and whatever, all that sort of stuff. It's here. It's abundant. It's the same as it is in the States. So I don't know if my tips for avoiding it would be any different here uh, or traveling in general than it would be in the States. Traveling, period. Noelle and I talk about this in the book and on the podcast a fair bit. When you get to locations, they have stores, right? And so I never go, all my friends, I don't understand why, and this is probably why we get this question all the time. All my friends, they they go somewhere, and the first thing they do is wander into a restaurant like they have to or something or, or always doing that because you're traveling. You can't buy food. You have to buy prepared food, but you can buy food that's not prepared, Go to a little fruit stand and buy some bananas and avocados and a can of sardines and you'll be set for a few days, you know, Uh, which is absolutely something I would do if I were 
in our hardcore traveling mode. So um, that's, that's, I, I don't know, that's what I do. If I, if I have to, if I'm in a restaurant, then I'd be very choosy. I'm very intentional about if I get something that coheres with how I'm eating these days, you know, my eating plan or not. And then more often than not, I pop into grocery stores and then sample the quote unquote local cuisine again in an intentional way. And otherwise I don't, I don't know. I don't really care. Hmm. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> it does. Uh, one for me is I recently found out I'm pregnant and wasn't really planning on it. She's 26. Any advice on how to maintain your identity as an individual career professional while also being a mom? It seems so many people get pregnant and everything in life becomes hyper-focused on babies Maybe a product of Southern culture, but so many women around me dream of finally quitting and staying home to presumably be the world's best crafty homemade mom. Uh, oh, thank you, Pinterest, for making this a part of our lives. But I love my job. I love my current life with hubs and feeling anxious about losing it. Any advice on paving a new way and still being a good parent slash human? Um, this is totally normal. So I don't want you to think that just because you look around and see people who would rather stay at home and not be involved with their jobs and a career um, doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Like there are for every woman who wants that, there's also women who want to very much so be involved with their careers and have their identities um, be multifaceted and, and be have a career, but also be nurturing and being taken care of, of a child. The best advice that I can give you is that it's really, really, really hard to know what it is and to know how you're going to feel until you get there. It's just, it's like trying trying to explain what your life is going to be like and how you're going to feel and what it's like to be a mom. And if, in fact, you will want to continue to work, it's impossible because you change so much as a person and as a human being when you have a baby. And your desires may change. You may think that you want to stay full-time in your career and then you have your child and then that's not what you desire anymore. So it's 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 be open to change and be open to the fluctuations and go with the flow. Like don't think, "Oh, I have to get back to work. Oh, I have to get back to work." Unless you really want to and and you want to make that work and and it's okay if that fluctuates and changes and at some point you decide, "Oh, I do want to stay home, but you don't have to be a super crafty mom. Like you can do whatever you want." Like I think that there's there's some there's a beautiful balance that exists where um, I know a lot of companies allow you to work from home more and there's a lot of part-time gigs and there's a lot of things that you can do from home now. Um, I know personally, I never, like I used to be really critical of, of women and people who stopped working in their pregnancy or weren't able to get back into, and I've, I've revealed this a little bit on the series, but I was really critical of people who like weren't able to jump back into their job after pregnancy. And I was like, why don't they just plan ahead? And why don't they get help? And why don't they just have somebody watch their kid for them while they could get some work done? And I don't understand. And it, it was a completely different situation <laughs> once I got on the other side of that and I became that person. And it isn't so much that like moms, <clears throat> yeah, like when I was your age, I didn't want, I didn't want kids. So, um, you know, that's a whole different thing. But when, and that's completely changed and it's the best decision of my life. So I want to be clear about that. But it, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of young. You're like 26 is pretty young to me. And if you're just enjoying your life and, you know, it, it's totally normal to feel anxious. But I will say when I used to look at other people and parents, I'd be like, oh my gosh, they're all about their kids. Like I can't imagine being all about your kids. 
But then you have a kid and then you just, your life, you become so fulfilled through enriching your children's life and you realize you're having such an amazing impact on the future by influencing these tiny humans and hopefully, you know, having enough influence that they become amazing people and can do really good things in the world. And so I think that 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 becomes the new thing. It's not like, oh, we want to go do all the kid things and that, but what we do, you know? And so your life, you can still have a life that's all about being a good human and being a good parent and raising really amazing humans that do really good in the world, hopefully. Um, But you can also still have your identity. And I find that the perfect balance is really when you can come, uh, like some, come to some sort of solution. If you do feel that, that like back and forth where you can work from home, um, you know, with your job and work that. And so many companies are open to that now, which is great. But when you can work, you get sufficient time at home with your kid during the newborn stage. Not the, not the six weeks. Like, like I, I just, I can't. I'm dealing with the situation with some people in my family where it's like they only get six weeks off from work. It's like, I just can't imagine going back to full-time work after six weeks. But making sure that you get sufficient time off so you can recover and bond and, you know, get your life, like get, (laughs) explore this new life. But then come to some sort of situation where you do have a little bit more flexibility. That's all. Um, And if you do decide like, oh, I really only want to work part time or oh, I only want to work 10 hours a week, there are so many things that you can do and ways that you can do that. And believe me, I never thought I would just want to be a mom, but that's like, that's my greatest uh, achievement at this moment. And that's what I love to do. Um, And so I think that you can, and I'm not a crafty mom. Let's get that straight. I don't make crafts. I go and buy them at home goods. So that's, that's my jam. Um, but I, I don't spend time doing that. I spend time, you know, raising an amazing human and like getting like fulfillment out of that. But I also still do obviously my own things and have my own gig. And, um, yeah, your life with your partner changes, but at the same time, it gets so much better. Like you, you connect and you just have so much joy as a couple and as a family, um, when you have kids. So, Um, so curious to hear your take on things like Victoria's secret fashion show. It gets more controversial every year, but I still watch it and get bummed that I'm not six feet tall and a size zero. Yeah. So this podcast is probably coming out around the time that it's going, right? Isn't Isn't it the week before Christmas or something? Yeah. So do we have thoughts about it? Yeah, it sucks. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I know what else to say. It's amazing that there's this huge hullabaloo and there's, I think there might be a documentary about the way the models prepare for the show Mm. or at least a special on PH1 or something. There's all this hype and there's articles written online about what Adriana whatever does to, you know, to get into shape for this sort of thing and what have you. And everybody posts about it and it definitely reinforces body stereotypes it's, I think Victoria's Secret is one of the most powerful forces for reinforcing b- b- body stereotypes in the States, in the West, period. I said it. <laughs> it. It really is, though. Like, it's pervasive. I don't know a single woman who doesn't have Victoria's Secret in her drawer. I can't, I can't think of one. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know about a lot of women's undergarments. But, I, you know, I'm pretty sure it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And the magazines are everywhere. And the imagery. It's really, like, iconic female sexuality in the States and it's incredibly exclusive 
because the sizing goes up to what an extra large, but I'm, I'm pretty close to wearing a large at Victoria's Secret, you know, and I, and I'm pretty small compared to a lot of women. So it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a problem. And so you can watch it if you, if you, it sounds like, you know, it doesn't make you feel good. If you're feeling really self, like that would be enjoyable for you. If you feel like you really want to punish yourself, go ahead and watch it. But otherwise don't and like turn off the media, you know, don't follow the hashtags or don't, uh, don't get on the Insta for a couple days. I, I really mean it. Just ignore it. Cause that stuff, looking at those images is really toxic. It makes me feel bad. And I, you know, I work on this sort of thing for a living. Just don't watch it. You know, like you're voting what is should be what's newsworthy and what should be in the media when you're watching it. So don't watch mm-hmm. it. Stay away from it. It's to me, I don't have any problem necessarily with it. I know that there is I know the problem that exists with women who 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 get sort of this idea that that's the ideal and that's what we should look like. I'm fully aware of all that stuff, but I really actually, I mean, it's not all that different than all the crap that's already available on social media and on Instagram and um, the crap that exists. It's, it's, you just don't need to engage with it. I don't actually don't have a problem with it happening. Like I, people are doing like, People are watching it out of their own free will. People are participating in it out of their own free will. And, you know, whatever. Like, that's their choice. That's what they think. You know, they that's what they want to do. And um, that's that's fine by me. You can choose what you want to do. But I choose not to watch it. And I don't really care. <laughs> like, I don't really care. But if I did watch it at this point in my life, it wouldn't bother me. I don't think it ever really has bothered me. I think that one of the things and the reason why is that I've, you know, especially in the past five to ten years... I don't think that they're any better than me. Um, I don't think that because they're thinner and 18 years old, which by the way, I, you know, most are, are teenagers, very, very young or very early 20s, um, because these very young girls are walking up on the stage and looking like an angel, half naked, I don't find anything appealing about that in terms of like their lifestyle. <laughs> like, I don't want that lifestyle. I don't want to be under that amount of scrutiny and I don't want to be under that microscope. Um, I don't think that they're better than me because they have that body. I don't think they're better than me because they are able to walk on the stage. I think it's another person that puts their pants on the same way, one leg at a time. And so it's, there's really, you know, cool. If that's what you decide to do, great. And when you stop deciding to do that, also great. Um, I just don't, I don't have a problem with people deciding to do that if they want. And it's just, we have to change our, our, like as humans, as women, in this culture and being exposed to media like this constantly, we have to change our mindset around that. And, and one, our, our behaviors. So do we choose to follow Instagram accounts or do we choose to watch things like this? And, you know, just unfollow, don't watch. Um, but also how, what we think, what we believe about that. So do we believe, oh, they're so much better. I just wish I looked that way, all that kind of stuff. Um, and kind of creating a new conversation around that. So that's the only thing that we can control is our response and, and our belief system around all of that stuff. So unfortunately, there's going to be stuff like that all the time. So don't watch it, girl. Don't watch it. All right. Let's see if we can knock out two more. Actually, okay. we, got, we got some really good rapid fire ones. Um, okay, Kim, I'll answer your question real quick. How do I start meal planning? 
how do I get started meal planning and what are good meals to start with? I get so overwhelmed with trying to figure out what to make and that I can't do it. All right, so this is where books comes in handy. This is where our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, comes in handy. There are two meal plans, one for a higher carb approach, one for a higher fat approach. And they're, all the recipes in the book are super easy. So you'll like, that's a really good place to start. And you don't have to follow the meal plan exactly. Like you can just say, oh, I really like, I don't like that recipe. So I'm gonna, you know, put this one in and I don't like that. I'm gonna put this one in. And so you, you'll have to change the grocery list out a little bit, but like look at a template, decide, okay, this is how you do it. You you plan out three meals, you you, you eat leftovers, you use snacks here and there. And it gets you into kind of a rhythm. And then long term, like on a daily scale, if you've if you're you've done the book a few the meal plans of the book a few times, use Preptish. Preptish.com slash wellfed. They've they've been a sponsor of ours for years. But that is truly the easiest and most basic meal plans that are like completely done for you. You can do them very quickly. She teaches you how to prep stuff on the weekends, and then you get a new meal plan weekly which is gluten-free and paleo, and it gets you into that rhythm and you learn from that experience. Um, Lindsay, cash photography asks, something that everyone else loves and you just can't get into or don't want to get into. Wait, is there a thing that other people love that yeah, I'm not into? Some, something you just can't get into or you don't want to get into. Oh, everything. Uh, Instagram. <laughs> oh my God. I'm trying so, I'm trying so hard to be into Instagram. Instagram. And I loathe yeah. it. I'm God. sorry. You don't, but you're that way about all social media. No, I really am. Yeah. I, I like to scroll and keep up with my friends' lives from time to time, but I really, I, I, I really dislike it. I hate promoting myself, but I'm, I'm trying. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely on the list. There were, Instagram. I can't tell you, there are so many things on the list, but I'm, but I'm not trying to get into stuff. You know, I mean, yeah. except for Instagram. Instagram is the only one I'm trying. Um, I'm like, today, just now, I looked at my phone. I was like, man, I didn't get enough no- likes today, you know? Yeah, like, it's it's, it's so hard. hard. It sucks. At some when point. When it's your job to get likes. I know. It's really hard. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Um, I will be honest, probably the thing for me is like traveling. And I guess this is just because mm-hmm. I've coming off, mm-hmm. I'm coming off a terrible weekend in Philly. But like, I mean, no, it was a great weekend in Philly. Terrible. I don't, I don't enjoy traveling. I don't enjoy the getting and the going and the coming. And I, you know what I've decided is that I really just love being with the people that I love, right? I love being with my family. I love being with good friends. That's where I'm the most fulfilled and I could be pretty much anywhere. I love, don't get me wrong. I've been to, I've been to Europe. I've been to Asia. Japan was amazing. The Swiss Alps are amazing. I went to Milan. I went to Italy. Like, I, I experienced and saw lots of things. Um, do I think, do I want to do that at this point in my life? No, not really. No, I don't either. I, I really don't. I don't, I don't, I think it would be, oh, it's a great experience. And people get really obsessive about, like, stop giving gifts and give experiences. And let's, do, like, go on a trip together. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, well, okay, but also, like, what if we just spend some time together and, like, hang out? And I think one of the things that my husband and I have talked about doing when our kids get older is that, well, let's put it this way, when our when our, when our our small child is able to not, to, to like, sit in a car and not scream the whole way, um, we'd like to just enjoy this country because there's a lot of really cool and beautiful things about this country and like rent an RV for a week or two. And that will kind of be our vacation where we're just chilling, like spending time together, but like driving around the countryside and seeing 
the Midwest and seeing all the things that I haven't seen in Colorado and California and just visiting it and seeing it and being able to kind of have our own conveniences where we have our own stove and our ability to cook and we have our own bed and we can enjoy each other's company and, and enjoy just being and, and experiencing things. But I really don't love long flights and airports and trying to navigate hotels and restaurants and all that kind of stuff. And at this point in my life, I'm just not into the traveling. For me, the problem with it is I think it can be done really well and be good for you and the places you visit. But there's just there's something kind of like a conquest about it. People do it more for the sake of talking about it and feeling cool than I don't know. I just taking the Instagram picture. That's what it is. It's like People get obsessed with, yeah, with like sharing the experience on social media versus experiencing the experience. Exactly. And, and you know what traveling also is, if you do it a lot, it's also very, well, I do it alone. It's, it's lonely, you know, and I think you make an excellent point and I am far less concerned with how cool, quote unquote, cool somebody is than with how good they are. And you don't have, you know, I think it's important to experience different cultures. Absolutely. And to be somebody who's accepting and all that sort of stuff. But I'd much rather you be somebody who's focused on being good and giving uh, than opposed to like racking up points. I'm not interested. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes it's like so praised as like the thing Mm -hmm. to do. And it's more about like, how many pictures can we get on Instagram and stuff like that? And I'm sort of like, eh, No, not the thing for me. Like, I don't know. I just, I guess the more people are like so obsessed with it and talk about it, like it's some sort of mecca and like higher level of existing, like, oh, we're just Mm. traveling and we're just all over the place. And like, I'm like, cool. And like, some people get really obsessed with like, well, we want our kids to get really used to traveling. So we're going to try to travel a lot with them. And I'm like, okay, that's great too. But also it's okay if you don't want to travel and you really like being at home and you like your community and you like being involved with the stuff in your community and you really like hanging out with your friends and, you know, like the space you've built and where you're living. Like, that's really cool too. So I just, you know, that's a, that's, I finding that I have more rebel tendencies than I, <laughs> than I actually would like to admit. Um, okay, the last one is, what is your opinion on tanning beds? I'm wondering if you as a redhead have ever gone into a tanning bed. <laughs> Zero times. <laughs> I thought so. Um, a, because I think, I, I don't think having darker skin makes me look better. B, I, there's skin cancer in my family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, C, I burn... I burn like a mother, you know, and, and D I go out in the sun every day. I do. I go cycling. So there's, there's no reason. I think if you want to do it once in a while or for a particular occasion, that's cool. I really don't think it's something that people tell us we need so they can sell us something. Mm. It's like all the beauty stuff, you know, it's just another thing you need to have tan skin so come get tan, you know, in order to be pretty. Uh, and I, I find that really unfortunate. So I don't think if you do it a few times, it's going to be any sort of risk to your health. I think long-term use, uh, definitely it can become problematic. Uh, but yeah, that's that. That's really interesting. I never thought about that because I've, I, I am that kind of, I, I don't know, as a self-absorbed or whatever. I really like it when I'm when I'm tan, I like, I just look better. I just, my skin looks better. My complexion looks better. 
But I do have a skin type where I am more uh, German and my skin is very olive and it, and it I get really gold, I get this nice golden color, which I really do love. I just love my little sun, I just like it when I get a little sun kissed. So, but since I, you know, I'm a mom now with kids who run around, I'm not like laying out on the beach at all. Um, and I just do feel a little bit more wary of, of melanoma, skin cancer. It's in my family as well. I know that there's a lot involved, folks. Like, I know there's a lot involved with, well, it's about nutrition and vitamin D, you know, like your, your vitamin D levels and et cetera, et cetera. And I know that that is a very real thing. However, when we're talking about tanning beds in particular, we're talking about burning in particular, that's, we know that that is not a good thing. And for some people that happens very quickly and it's almost impossible not to get burnt. And when you're out in the sun, you know, even like a second too long, it's like, boom, it can, it can turn bad. When we're talking about tanning beds, I mean, there is clear research that it is linked to bad melanoma. It's not the best high quality research, but there is a strong correlation and it's it's pretty significant. So I do think that, yeah, it can be pretty damaging. We know it can damage the skin cells and, and cause burning. And that's that's what that's what causes skin cancer. And I do think we need to be until we have a lot more research on stuff like that. Like, I just don't think we should be lying and pressing our skin up against bulbs, which, by the way, a lot of those bulbs you know, they produce UVA and UVB rays, but they're not at all the same as what the sun is producing. Mm -hmm. nope. So it's it, like laying up against a bulb is not the same as walking out in, in the sun and exposing your arms to 15 minutes, you know, your limbs to 15 minutes of, of sun. So I, you know, there, there are a lot of salons that have like higher UVB rays, which are the vitamin D producing rays, but still it's not like the sun. And so we're kind of artificially trying to gain this vitamin D production which I would rather be on the safe side and have you take a really high quality vitamin D supplement with K2 and get your level tested and see where your vitamin D is. And if you're, if it's sufficient, then like, don't risk it. There's another way you can get vitamin D. And when the summer hits, you know, my recommendation is get out 10 to 15 minutes. Your pink, should, your pink, your skin should have like a light, light, you know, tint to it, a light flushed color, but obviously absolutely no burning. Um, and you can do that gradually and your skin, like if you have skin like mine, you might slowly get a tan, but you, you slowly might not, you know, if you're doing that sort of semi-daily or just spending normal amounts of time out in the sun, like I have, didn't get a burn at all this year, um, just by doing normal, like Stephanie was saying, time out in the sun, walking, um, with like a tank top on and stuff like that. So yeah, just take a high quality vitamin D supplement with K2. I got my levels tested, took a vitamin D K2 from designs, um, designs for health. And my vitamin D levels went up pretty significantly and they're now really sufficient. So um, I'll link to the vitamin D supplement that I take with the K2 from Designs for Health. And then I also have a really great um, kids vitamin D supplement that, I, that I've started giving to Stella just once or twice a week because vitamin D is really important for kids, especially babies. Um, and so it's like a little drop that has a small dose of vitamin D with K2 and it's from Seeking Health. One more quick thing. Yes. Burning your skin is also a primary cause of wrinkling. True. Yeah. Burning Just burning your skin. Out yes. There. Burning and also um chronic dryness. Stay out of the sun, moisturize your skin. 
That's yep. our advice. Okay, that's our 200th episode. Make sure to go buy your book, Coconuts and Kettlebells. I'll link to it in the show notes. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, you can do that by going to coconutsandkettlebells.com slash review, or it's super easy now in the Apple Podcasts app. You can just bring it up and leave a quick, you know, five-star of course, you want to leave a five-star rating. That would be great. Um, for more from Stephanie, go to paleoforwomen.com. For more from me, go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. Follow us on the Insta at WellFedWomen. That's where we ask a lot of these poll-related type of questions when we do special episodes like this. And when we have guests on, we post. Uh, that's where we ask for questions. So make sure to follow us there so you can get your question asked. Um, that's it. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>